0: Starting out uh, with this sermon, I would like to first thank David. Um, Dan and Joy's son was here last week. So David Burroughs, if you're not knowing who did the message last week, that's who that was. And uh, he did like a 35-minute sermon. Now that's just, we need to talk to him about that. I asked uh, Pastor Jay one time, I said, How what's what's a good length for a sermon? And he said, just preach until you're finished. And that's about perfect. Yeah. So if it's 15 minutes or an hour, just preach until you're done. And that'll be the perfect length. And yeah, we were we were out of town, we were visiting with some friend we have friends that that live there and you know we were talking and everybody's got their opinion on how long a sermon should be uh i've heard people say well if you can't get what you got out in 15 minutes or 20 minutes then you know you just didn't do it right i've heard all kinds of different things i've heard people say well if you don't give preaching at least 40 minutes you're just not putting enough into it so what I've, what I've, the conclusion that I've come to is you're not going to please everybody. It's impossible to please everybody. So I like the advice that Pastor Jay gave, you know. He didn't have a time. And his sermons are probably about, I would guess, 30 minutes. He, Pastor Jay, about 30 minutes, I would guess. Uh, if you listen to John MacArthur, I got his pulpit sermons on podcast. I don't listen to him very often, but his messages are about 50 minutes. Pastor Nick, I've said many times, his messages are one hour every week. I don't know how he does it, but it's, it's one minute one way or the other, but it's almost always an hour. So, I can say I, I start fading out at about 45 minutes when I listen to his sermons. That's just me. Other people go to that church, they say they listen to every bit of it and absolutely love every minute of it, and it could go longer. So we're just going to do what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. We pray that that's what will happen. And I, but again, I just, I just want to thank David for coming up here, driving two and a half hours, being willing, so willing to come up here and to minister in this church. And, you know, I got a lot out of it. I listened to the sermon. That's what's so wonderful about the podcast. I was able to hear it. It was either Monday or Tuesday. I listened to it when I was at the beach. And uh, like Joseph said, solid. Solid. I asked Joseph, was preaching any good? He said, yeah, it was pretty good. He said, solid. was Solid. I'm like, okay. So there was something that that David was talking about when he was doing doing the sermon. And he he was talking about keeping your eyes on Jesus. And he'd shared that story about the boys walking on the tracks. And the one plump boy couldn't see his feet because he was plump and how he was doing really good, walking on the track, keeping his balance, and all the other boys were concentrated on watching what they were doing. And that that illustration was perfect with some of the things that I've talked about recently as far as um, trying to deal with your flesh, people who try to fix themselves, and how if you were to look at yourself... And trying to fix the flesh that Jesus in his words said is crucified. Quit worrying about you trying to fix yourself and look to Jesus for, for your power to live a sin-free life and to have a good Christian walk. When he was sharing that story, the boy, they asked the boy, how are you being able to stay so balanced and walk on the track? And he said, Well, I can't see my feet, so why bother look? We need to be like that. We need to be, you know what, I know my flesh is no good. It's, it's, if The more I try to fix it, the worse things seem to get. I'm going to quit focusing on me, and I'm going to look out at Jesus and watch him and follow him, and everything will be okay. I thought that was an excellent illustration. I really liked that. And then um, the story of Darlene Rose and... You know, I had heard that story before, years ago, and I was telling, uh, you know, in, in Sunday school, I was talking about how when I heard the story, the miracle of the bananas, I, I thought that was Corey ten Boone. I just, I just, if, just trying to remember it, and then it hit me, I'm like, well, that would make no sense, because Corey ten Boom was in Germany. She was in a concentration camp in Germany for helping the Jewish people escape the Holocaust, trying to protect them. Bananas don't grow in Germany. So the Darlene Rose story, it, it drew my interest listening to that because I had heard it before, but it made me want to look into it a little bit more. But you know, he was talking about how she, under those horrible situations, still ministered to the people who were hurting her, brutalizing her. She still looked to getting the message of Jesus out. So the camp commander, I wrote his name down, uh, Mr. Yamaji. Yamaji. I think I said that well. He was the Japanese camp commander that was converted by her testimony. That's the way she lived her life under horrible situation. He was touched. And, and so, the, so the bananas... You know she was watching through her window she was trapped in the in her hut it was it, she couldn't get out of there and but but there were women who were also in the being punished for doing dis, just petty things so they got to go out and stroll around during the day and she would watch them through the window and there was one lady this is a Japanese lady who was just being punished for a dis- misdemeanor, I guess you would call it. And she would sneak over to the side on the edges, and there was a, there was a bunch of vegetation, and she would sneak over there when the guard, she would, she would listen to the, the click of the heels. That meant he was turning because he was marching and he would click his heels, and he would turn. And she knew by hearing that that she had to stop doing what she was doing. But she, when he was walking the other direction, this lady would walk closer and closer to all this vegetation. And Darlene Rose was sitting in her, standing there watching. And the lady would finally work her way over, and somebody was over there handing her these these bunches of bananas. And that's where her craving for the banana came from. She watched that lady slide them up under. Her, whatever she was wearing, and she would sneak them back. And, she, and that's when Darlene said that she was praying for, to God for just one banana. She, and then she said, but I don't know, it can't happen. There's no way anybody could get a banana to me. She, and she basically told God, I know that's a silly prayer, because you couldn't do that. You, there's just no way we, I can get a banana. So it was Mr. Yamaji... Who, who got a whole bushel of them, a whole big bundle that was close to 100 bananas on there and had someone take it to her. So she thought she was be- about ready to receive another beating because when, they, when the commander and, the, and some of the other officers were in there talking to her, when they left, she realized she forgot to bow. And when you didn't bow to them when they left, they would come back and beat you. So they, she turned around after they had left, and she went, Oh no, I forgot to bow. So as she heard them coming back, she got up to receive her beating that she had re- received so many times before. And it was from the camp commander. He had sent one of the officers, and they brought in the whole big bundle and gave it to her. And she set it in the corner and was so ashamed that she didn't think God could give her one banana but brought her almost 100. And it changed her. It changed her life. She, she knew to never, ever discount what God can do for her and for any. We need to have more confidence in our prayers by looking at that story. God, our God is a big God and He can do whatever He wants us to have. He 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 provides for us. He can do what we He can do far more than what we we can expect. Now uh, David also talked about the beautiful vases that were made and how they were intentionally broken. It was it was very cool to hear him say that because I had just listened to Adrian Rogers talk about the same situation. This is weeks ago, and I was on the church property mowing when I heard him talk about that. When I come here to mow, I'm always wanting to listen to Adrian Rogers, so I look to see if there's a new podcast. That's what I want to listen to when I mow here. I want to listen to some good preaching. And He talked about that, how they, how we are Made in God's image, God put us together, but then we are broken. But how He puts us back together, you, you think it's ruined. The bait, why would you break such a perfect creation? They break it, but then they pick it back up and they take the gold it's like a glue they, they use it as a glue and they put all of that vase back together so when you get the finished product it is a broken vase that has been put back together with the gold lining and you see the gold all through it so what we are in the future is that we are broken we have to be broken and then God puts us back together and we're way better after he, he deals with us and fixes us. So it's all in what God does for us, not what we do for ourselves. That was basically the message last week, is quit trying to fix something that God is in control of. Look to him, and he will fix us. So, if David listens to this podcast, I uh, just want to say thank you uh, for giving us that great message last week. And now I'm going to go on to what I had prepared, and I had a lot of this already prepared two weeks ago. And because of the events of the week before, it it uh, caused me to not get to what the sermon was and I've gone back through uh, and reread and tried to make an order of things for today. So here's a verse for you. Now, we're going to be in different portions of Scripture. Now, in Luke, in Luke 12, this is, I'm going to read this verse. Today's message is going to be about... Baptism, again. Baptism, again. It's like haven't you preached enough about that recently? Evidently not. <clears throat> now, Luke twelve. This is Jesus speaking. Luke twelve, uh, Luke twelve, verse fifty says, "This is Jesus saying, but I have a baptism." to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Now, this is Luke 12. You don't have to turn there, because that's all we're going to be doing out of that. That's just the one verse that I want you to think about. Jesus is talking about a baptism that he, he must be baptized with, and how can he be straightened till it be accomplished? So what kind of baptism is he talking about there? Now, at the end of chapter 3 of the same book of Luke, that's when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. He's not talking about that baptism. Right before that, John the Baptist was talking about there was one who came after him whose shoe... he was not worthy to even unloose, and that that person who's coming after him, because he had just told everybody that, this is John the Baptist speaking, he says, I indeed baptize with water, but there's one coming after me whose shoes, latches, I'm not worthy to unloose. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. You've heard me say that verse over over the past several months. You've heard that before. I know that sounds familiar to you. But in Luke 3, 15 through 18, that's what he's talking about. John the Baptist is talking about Jesus baptizing with the Holy Ghost or with fire. Now, do you get wet in either one of those baptisms? Being baptized with the Holy Ghost, no water involved there. Being baptized, that means to be thrown into the fire completely. You're totally engulfed in flames. That's being baptized into flame. In Matthew chapter 3, he says the same thing. John the Baptist is saying, He will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, if you go to Mark chapter 1, there's no mention of the fire. It's just He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Why? Why did He miss the fire part? Well, if you go back, so you can take this as part of your notes, Luke 3, 15-18, Matthew 3, verse 11, in each of those situations, in Luke, you will hear Jesus say generation of vipers. It talks about how the publicans were there, the evil tax collectors, you know, everybody hated. It will talk about the soldiers coming and wanting this baptism. They were, you know, they were there. So you got generation of vipers which we know who they are. They were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But then there's publicans and their soldiers, along with the people who had been baptized by John the Baptist's baptism. They were all around. And when John the Baptist said, there was one coming after me who will baptize with the Holy Ghost, that's the ones who really believe. But all these other people, especially the generation of vipers, And when you go over to Matthew 3, you will see John the Baptist. Right before he says this, it says that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were there. So he says, baptism with the Holy Ghost and with fire. It's going to be one or the other. Because the following verse says that in, in this person's hand, which is Jesus, when he baptizes with the Holy Ghost, you're good but if you're being baptized in the fire, then his fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly burn all the shaft that comes from the threshing floor. The wheat will go into the garner, but the shaft that's left over, which would be anybody who doesn't believe, they will be thrown into the fire. Again, has anybody gotten wet? This baptism in Luke 12, the baptism that Jesus had to be baptized with, what was that? There, there were disciples who wanted to be placed at his right hand or his left hand, and Jesus said, "You, Are you able to drink of the cup that I'm going to drink from? Are you able to go through the baptism that I'm, a, I'm going to go through? And he ended up telling them, you're going to go through that baptism. You you eventually will, but you don't know what you're asking for. The baptism that Jesus is talking about in Luke 12 is being baptized into being the perfect sacrifice for all of mankind. He is going to be totally plunged into everyone's sin. That's where he's going. And then he's going to pay every bit of the penalty for all of us. That's the baptism he has to go through. Did he get wet doing that? It wasn't talking about water baptism. Remember, John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize with water. Why did he have to say that? Why did he have to say, I baptize with water? because there's so many other baptisms in the Bible that have nothing to do with water. Now, why am I talking about this? Why am I bringing this up again? Because we just did the story of Naaman the leper. Remember, Naaman went to Samaria because there was a prophet there that the little girl talked about. Naaman was an unbelievable, awesome person. He was just great but he was dying of leprosy. He was going to eventually die from the disease. His only hope was that this little girl's uh, message of, you go to my homeland, you find this prophet there named Elisha, then he will cleanse him of his leprosy. Well, they go to Israel. They go there, and the king is all distraught because he's got this letter saying, we need this man healed of leprosy. Well, the king knew that there was no cure for leprosy. Then Elisha heard about it, told the king, send them on over. And what was the instruction for Naaman? It was to go dip in the Jordan seven times. Well, there is a podcast that I listen to anytime it shows up, and it's the Unashamed podcast. I love the Unashamed podcast. All the Duck Dynasty guys, you know, you got you got Al and Phil and Jason on there pretty much every time. And they spread the gospel. Well, they were talking about baptism. And Phil, and, and I love Phil, he writes great books, but he, he said something that I do not agree with. And basically, and he backtracked on it the next poc- podcast a little bit, but he basically said, have you ever heard of baptismal regeneration. You ever heard the term? Baptismal regeneration. Well, people who hold that doctrine, they make the baptism part of being saved really high priority to the point where they say you don't actually finish being saved until you get dunked in the water. That's what saves you. They're so into it that if you get dunked in the water and one of your arms is hanging out of the water and it don't go all the way in, they think that you're gonna end up in heaven one day, but you'll be missing your arm. I mean, that's being a little silly, but that's how crazy they are about it. They would actually go, "Uh, his arm didn't go under. They're that legalistic about it. But then there's others, other denominations that will put it off for a long, long time. That's wrong as well. But when do you actually get saved? What point of what you do... Because remember, you can do nothing to get salvation. You just believe. He's already done everything for you, and it's that moment of just believing, then you're saved. Just like Naaman was expecting some great thing, and he was told Elisha didn't even come down to do anything. He just sent a message for him to go do something. And he was so offended that, you mean just dip in this river? Just go down there and dip? Well, Phil, on the Unashamed Podcast, used that story to justify how you have to go down in the water to get saved. That's what he used. And I'm, and I'm going, I just preached two weeks on Naaman, and Phil is using this as justification as to why he believes what he believes, that you've got to go down under the water. And, I, and I'm going, where's their hotline number? I need to call directly to them, and I need to say, Phil. Phil. Okay, if that's what you're basing it on, then all the thousands of people that you've talked about baptizing in your river, it's the wrong river. You need to take them to the Jordan. And Phil, if you, you, you baptize them, you only dunked them once. Everybody that you baptize, you need to call them up and say, come back, I need to do this six more times. Because remember, he had to dip seven times. So are we doing it wrong? You dip them once, that's not good enough. If you want to take these stories out of the Bible and do it exactly the way that they did it in the Bible, then your baptism is worthless because you didn't get baptized in the Jordan. And you didn't get baptized seven times. You only got dunked once. And I'm just, I'm on my mower riding around mowing and listening to this on a podcast going, ah, are you serious? And then they turn to First Peter. This, you can turn here if you want. Now, we're going to be here for just a little while. Now, now there's a, a nephew that's on the show every now and then. I think his name's Zach. He's the one that helped put together... He did the story of the movie that's coming, about, uh, uh, coming out about Phil and Kay. And he was going, Phil, no, no, no. You... You, and baptism is being baptized in water. Believer's baptism is extremely important, but you cannot say that that is what saves you because that would be something you do. You must be saved before, then you get baptized in water. You've got to make that distinction. So they're, so they're fighting on there. And I love the podcast because they're not afraid to stand on what they believe, and they fight back and forth with each other. They, they're so good at it. Most people cannot disagree and fight and, and then go out and get something to eat afterwards. They don't want to see each other anymore, and they're all mad, but they, they can fight and fuss. And it's like, all right, y'all ready to go? Let's go. You know, and they're all buddies. They all love each other. Why can't we do that? We got to have a church split and have two different churches and two different denominations and all that stuff. That that happens, all right. So they go to. So Jace is listening to all this and he's turning to First Peter chapter three. So I'm going to be reading out of First Peter chapter three. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well doing. "...than for evil doing." So he's talking about being persecuted. Peter's talking about being persecuted. And he said, it'd be better to be persecuted for doing good. Doing what you know you're supposed to do. Well, just like David was preaching last week, it is so easy just to fall in line with what everybody else is doing because it's way easier to do that. And you won't get picked on. Peter is telling us, it's way better to go through the persecution. For doing good. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. See, Jesus was the only just person that ever walked the face of this earth. And he died for all the rest of the people who walked on this earth, the unjust, which is every one of us sitting here, everybody else outside, that he might bring us to God. See, Jesus is the only way to get to God. The only way. Other religions are free to worship however they want, but it's up to us to tell them, sorry, it's not going to get you to God. Only Jesus can do that. Being put to death in the flesh, you know that uh, the sermon that was picked out to be on this past Wednesday's podcast? I was talking about the, wor- the word sarks, which is the Greek word for flesh, and here it is. Being put to death in the, if you've got an NIV, it says, it, it, it would have to, if they followed, they don't do it, but I'm, what I was saying in that podcast was, or that teaching was, if, they, if the people who translate the NIV and the New American Standard, all those, if they change the Greek word sarx every time to sinful nature, they do it several times in the Bible. In the NIV, you'll see it, sinful nature. The Greek word is sarx, which means flesh. That's all it means. Well, right here, if they did what they did every other time, or a lot of other times, they would have had to change it here too. So if you listen to this past Wednesday's uh, message, it's not from this past Wednesday, it's from last year but it falls in line so good with what we've been doing in Galatians on Wednesdays. It falls in so well with all the teachings that have been going on on Sundays. So to change that Greek word right here, about talking about Jesus being put to death in the sinful nature. He has no sinful nature. But being put to death in the flesh because he was all man and all God at the same time. But quickened by the spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits. Notice that little S, to the spirits in prison. What is that talking about? Now, you've heard me say many times that Jesus said, just as Jonah is going to be in the be- was in the belly of the well for three days and three nights, he said, Jesus said, I will be in the heart of the earth. The Bible says where he went and took captivity captive. There were some people who were in captivity, prison, and he went and took them out of there. That was when he went down into the heart of the earth. There's a place called Abraham's bosom. All of the saints that were waiting for the true sacrificial blood to be shed, they're all down in that holding place. That's where the Catholics come up with the purgatory. Purgatory is, is all messed up. It's, it's a terrible thing that the Catholic Church did to profit mightily off of that false doctrine. So I'm not talking about there being a purgatory. I'm just saying that there's an empty place down in, the, down in one of the compartments of hell. It's an empty place. It's Abraham's bosom. It's where Abraham and all the saints before Jesus shed his blood were being held until that day. It's been empty ever since. You can get that out of Luke 16, the rich man and Lazarus dying and going down. The, the Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom. The rich man was across the great abyss over in torments. That's the story. Luke 16. Feel free to correct me if I ever say. I, a lot of the, what I tell you is that from memory, and that's getting suspect as the, the years go by. So if you know I say something wrong, please, because this is going to be on a podcast and I'll be very embarrassed. I catch, by listening to the podcast, I can catch myself on some mistakes. And I try to remember to correct them when I come back. Uh, just like I said something about not being truly saved if you don't understand the being baptized with Jesus and re- being raised... That's really not accurate. You can believe on what G- You can be saved. That, all that's working whether you believe it or not. So that was a misstatement that I said. It's just that chances are, what I should have said is, there's, a, there's if you don't understand that and you're not living in that, maybe you're not saved. That's just a question. But to say you're not is not right. Because there's a lot of things in the Word of God that just works whether you understand it or not. It's working. Okay. Okay. So, the spirit, that's what I think this means. The spirits in prison, I think, was when Jesus went down and ministered to them. Okay. Which, now here's the which, this is talking about the spirits, the little s spirits, which sometime were, so sometime in the past they were disobedient. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. People, see? You're saved by water. See? It's right here. You're saved by water. It says it in the Bible. The people who were saved, the eight souls that were saved, did any of them get wet? Some translations will say they were saved through water. What saved the eight people? Getting in the ark. Anybody who got wet that day died. They weren't saved. They died. You, all you had to do was walk up the ramp into the, into the ark. That's all you had to do. You know what? You didn't even have to do the walking. You might have been lame, and you couldn't get in there, and you could have said, hey, would you pick me up and carry me up into that uh, big boat right there? Why would you want to do that? Just, would you please? And somebody could have picked you up and carried you and set you down in there. The point is, were you in the ark or not? My question to you is, are you in Jesus Christ or not? Are you have you been buried with him in baptism? They went into the ark, no one got wet. There was a baptism unto Moses in the Old Testament when they were leaving Egypt, and it was the parting of the Red Sea, and they were, that was Moses' baptism. He took them down into the sea. They all the nation of Israel walked through the other side. Did anybody get wet? Not a one of them who got saved were wet, but the people who followed after that were the unbelievers, they got drenched so much that they all died, they all drowned. The water killed them, not saved them. All right, continue reading. We're saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doeth also now save us. There it is. Baptism saves you. What baptism? The getting wet baptism, or being baptized with the Holy Ghost, being baptized into Jesus—that is what saves you. Now, there's a, and if you got your King James Bible, you're looking at a big parentheses here. So, if you skip through the parentheses just for a second and go to by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, okay? Let's read that part again. Okay, the like figure, whereunto even baptism doeth also now save us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are baptized with Jesus, and we are raised up like he was to walk in newness of life because we are a new creature. When Naaman came back up out of the Jordan, his flesh wasn't just fixed. It was brand new, like a little baby, like a new, new skin from a child. It was more than just healed. When we are saved, we're more than just healed. The old man is crucified, is completely done away with, and then the new man has been brought. The new creature is there. And you can't physically prove that to anybody. It's something you got to believe. The just shall live by faith. You don't have video evidence of it. You have no proof whatsoever. Evidence not seen. Evidence not seen. That's a book by Darlene Rose. A book. We all love books, right? That's faith. All right, now the parentheses part of that. All right, the like figure whereunto even baptu- baptism doeth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. So when this was being translated, the King James Bible was being translated, they ran into that going, all right, This could really mess some people up. We really need to make sure people understand that it's not the water baptism that saves them, so they put that in there. Okay? Uh, Galatians, this is just another verse you can write down, Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the flesh of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. A whole lot of faith. All right, and then, all right, it's getting close. Um, I want you to see another portion of Scripture which you've heard so many times from me. I'm sorry but we're just going to touch on it real quick. And, and this is the story of the uh, Ethiopian eunuch. You all know it well. It's in Acts chapter 8. We know that the Ethiopian eunuch had been to Jerusalem. He should have gotten what he needed there, but for whatever reason, he didn't get it. It'd be like, well, the person was in church. They listened to the whole sermon and and they walked away from here, and they still didn't get it, and then one person is somewhere way down the road that ministers to them because they left here pondering and and opening up their Bibles, and they're looking, and they're trying to figure it out, and they've left the place that you thought they would experience a salvation experience. But they're way over there somewhere, and you have been appointed by God to finish it. So that's what Philip's doing way out here in the middle of nowhere. This eunuch is on his chariot going back to Ethiopia. And God makes a divine appointment happen, and the eunuch's reading out of Isaiah, which we know would to be Isaiah 53, you know, a lamb being led to the slaughter and he asks Philip, "What does this mean exactly?" And Philip just he he explains the scripture the place of the scripture which he read was, this is 32, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb, dumb or unable to speak, before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humili- humiliation, I can't even speak today, humiliation, he, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth. And the, and the eunuch asked him the question, who is he speaking of? And then in 35, this is where I'm supposed to start reading. This is what's in my notes. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So he's getting the message of Jesus. Evidently talked about water baptism too in all this talk. Why do I know that? Because of Verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doeth hinder me to be baptized? Now, almost every other version of the Bible that you might have, if you're reading from the NIV, the New American Standard, the English Standard Version, it doesn't matter. All the other versions, verse 37 will be gone. It's just not there. So if verse 37 is not there, and this eunuch said, What doeth hinder me to be baptized? You got to read 38, and he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized. And he baptized him. Okay. Then you can argue that the baptism saved him. But what did what does 37 say? 37, which is missing out of almost every other version of the Bible. The King James, as far as I know, is the only one that has it. Maybe the new King James. It says, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest. And what does the eunuch say? He answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's missing out of almost everybody's Bible who's using something different. That part is missing. So the people who believe in baptismal regeneration, they love the versions that do not have that verse in it. Because to them, the getting dunked in water is what saves you. And this, that version will back up what they say. Well, the King James does not. The King James says, you must believe. And what is he doing? He's confessing with his mouth that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the Son of God. How how important is that to us? That we confess, we're willing to confess that Jesus is our Savior. That's important. But it's missing out of so many Bibles that people are carrying around and reading. So you must believe with all your heart before the water baptism does you any good. Okay? So I just want to make sure that you understand That doctrine of, we've we've been going through Galatians for many weeks now. The message that was picked out for this past Wednesday, I keep, I'm just amazed. It just goes right along with all of this. If you haven't heard that, I mean, you probably heard it in the past, but I don't even remember preaching that sermon. So it's not like you're going to remember it. I don't even remember it. And I'm the one that prepared it and gave it. i listened to it i was like whoa this is perfect i don't see how you could have picked a better one to put in that spot for all of what we've been doing lately now getting back to i don't think i finished up with my point on in mark this is just just to go back and make sure you've got this the significance of what i was saying in mark one there's no, because he only says Holy Spirit, that he, Jesus will baptize in the Holy Ghost, but he leaves the fire out. I just want to make sure you understand that in Mark, there's no mention of generation of vipers, there's no mention of Pharisees, Sadducees, soldiers, publicans. It's only believers had come, and John the Baptist had baptized them. So, there was no need to say, baptize with fire, because there was none of those other people there. Now, Can you imagine how many different days people came and were baptized by John? So Mark's version of it is a day where only believers came down to the river to be baptized. But then there were certain days that the Pharisees caught wind of what John the Baptist was doing, and when they showed up, he was very sure to mention the fire as well, because they needed to hear it. So... On a day where all everybody's sitting in here, you're all saved, you believe, we just talk about all the glory coming and all that, but there's people listening to the podcast that need to hear about the fire. There are people in our neighborhood right here. We have people that are right beside this church around us that are totally against what we're doing. They hate churches and they hate people go to church. They do not like it at all. You know, back in the day when I was a kid, uh, you really never heard of parents not letting their kids go to church. If somebody came along and wanted to take your kids to church, they were like, yeah, sure. Even if they weren't believers. They're like, might do them some good. Today, you've got people who purposely say, no, don't you dare take my kids to church. We... As a nation, I've told you this before, George Barna does the surveys. He samples all kinds of people from different parts of this country. And the last survey he did on how, what's the percentage of people in America who have a true biblical worldview, it's down to 6%. They did another survey, and the guys on on the Unashamed podcast were talking about it a few weeks ago they only went out and and interviewed youth pastors senior pastors might have been associate pastors and then executive pastors which would be like a ds like a district superintendent who has been a pastor for many many years but has been moved up and he's in a position of authority over many churches okay The percentages of pastors who have a biblical worldview, none was over 50%. None of those categories was over 50%. It was like 40%. And I think that might have been senior pastors were about 40% across America have a biblical worldview. Youth pastors was pretty pitiful, but you know the worst was the executive pastor. The DSs, that, those types, 4%. It's worse than the average of Americans who aren't, aren't even, they're just people. They're not even pastors. And we wonder why things are so messed up. And we don't have a biblical worldview anymore because the churches aren't even, t- they got the rainbow flags flying outside of churches. They've got the Black Lives Matter, you know, flying outside the churches. You can see the evidence of it everywhere. They are not preaching the Word. They're just trying to make everybody feel welcome, whether you're a dirty, rotten sinner or not. That's what we're dealing with. All right, we are done. That's the sermon for today. Um, We just love the Word of God. We need to be a people who are reading the Word, that love the Word. We need, to, we need to not be people who just talk about it, but people who actually get into it and love it and are not afraid to talk about it, even though persecution may... Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this Word. Father, I thank You for the Holy Ghost that will help with us to, to, to be able to understand the deep meaning of Your Word. Father, I pray for each and every person that's here that that we will hear your word, that your word would change us, help us, give us what we need to battle what we see every day. Father, we have a nation who has turned away from you. And Father, we need to have more people who understand your ways so that we will look at Everything through your eyes that the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do. Father, help us to understand that the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is inside of us when we believe on what Jesus did for us. Father, help us to understand that Romans chapter 6 tells our story that we, 2,000 years ago, were baptized into Jesus Christ. We were baptized into His death. And Father, You raised us up with Jesus. And we can't get any better than that. We are safe in the ark. We have been lifted up from the judgment. And Father... It's all because of you. We thank you for it. Help us to live in it. And help us to get the message to those who need it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.